Hi, this is Matt Gorley. You're listening to Hobo Radio. And uh, I'm not a hobo, but I would live the hobo lifestyle. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And today, I am very excited to bring to you my interview with Vidiot's executive director and board member, Maggie McKay. Now, let me tell you about Vidiot's because it has been this amazing bright spot in my life this past year. For those that don't know Vidiot's, it started as a video store here in Los Angeles, and it has a long history. It's a beloved institution that recently restructured things and changed their approach and they opened a new location in Eagle Rock that is both a video store and a movie theater which yes it they have DVDs they have VHS tapes they have Blu-rays you can check them out and watch them which I have done and which has been a delight to go in there pick something a lot of stuff that they have is things that are not streaming. They're these weird gaps of, of films that just have just essentially disappeared and, and places like Vidiot's are keeping them alive, which I think is so important and so cool. And for anyone like me who's just spent time endlessly scrolling through their various streaming services, trying to find something to watch, there's something refreshing about the intention of seeing the case of a film that you want to watch picking it up, checking it out, taking it home, and watching it. And, and so I love them. And then they've also been doing these screenings, and the, the films that they've been choosing have been really eclectic and really fantastic. And I am not exaggerating when I say that I could probably go there every week if I had the time to do so, because they inevitably have something that I want to see. And just to give you an example, these are the films that I have seen at Vidiot's myself. In the Mood for Love, one of my all-time favorites. Dazed and Confused, Double Indemnity, Harold and Maude, The Sandlot. And I also recently saw The YouTube Effect, which is Alex Winter's film. And Space is the Place, uh, which is a really cool film starring Sun Ra that you really have to experience on the big screen. It's, it's an adventure and it was so cool to see. So I say all of that to say, I, I love Vidiots. I'm fascinated with Vidiots. And so when the opportunity to talk to Maggie presented itself, I was very excited. And so for that opportunity, I do have to thank Pluto TV for setting this up. They recently teamed with Vidiots to do a free movie weekend where they sponsored it. They had a, a variety of films that people could go and see for free. So, you know, thank you to everybody at Pluto TV. They're the ones who reached out to me and I was excited to, to do this interview. 
And, uh, you know, shout out to Pluto TV, too. If you listen to my other podcast, Silver Linings Playback, they are a very helpful resource there. They themselves have a lot of films that are hard to find anywhere else. And uh, so I definitely appreciate them for that. And I appreciate them for setting this up. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's a really great chat about movie theaters and rentals and sort of just the importance of places like this and their relevance moving forward in the future. And I I think you're going to get a lot out of this and I hope everyone enjoys it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Maggie McKay. Yeah, so um, just to start, um, can you tell me a little bit about your background, like how you got involved in videos? Yeah, sure. Um, I have been living in LA for about 25 years. Um, I'm a native New Yorker, but um, obviously have made made LA my home. Um, and I have a long uh, professional life in Film programming, mostly for film festivals. I've worked at most of the major film arts nonprofits in Los Angeles, but um, I've always been very vocal about the importance of video stores and my love of video stores. Um, I attribute my survival on the mean streets of uh, lower Manhattan in the 1970s (laughs) and 80s, should clarify, um, to the fact that a video store opened across the street from my house and I had movie theaters and walking distance. And, you know, for 80s latchkey kids, those brick and mortar spaces were so important, especially if you lived in a neighborhood that wasn't as hospitable to kids as, say, the suburbs would have been. And um, so I've always talked about video stores and and my roots in video stores. And when I found out um, through some friends that Vidiots was looking for an executive director, Having never been an executive director before, um, I was really in the in the curatorial space, if you will. Um, I just all of my bells went off, and I knew that I needed to do something to get myself involved. And almost eight years later, here we are. That's awesome. Yeah the the streets of New York not as mean these days. <laughs> Certainly not. Not in Lower Manhattan. Yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. Specifically Manhattan, no, for sure. No. Uh, I, I, my it, my neighborhood basically turned into a Mac store. But when I was growing up, it was um it was really not hospitable for kids. And my generation was very much tasked with sort of you know um entertaining itself, if not raising itself. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And so for us, those brick and mortar spaces especially for kids that liked movies, the movie theaters, the video stores, the comic book stores, the record shops, the places that we could take a little bit of our babysitting money or our, you know, newspaper route money and um, and, and find a place that would accept us and welcome us and give us some freedom to figure out who we were and what we were interested in was pivotal to an entire generation of people growing up and getting into the arts and doing all of the things that we do. And I saw that very much evaporating from the world. And so that was very much why I wanted to get involved with idiots. 
Yeah, and I, I do want to talk about that. But yeah, just I guess to set up a little bit too, if people don't know, maybe if you can uh, talk a little bit about Vidiot's history as a video store. Sure, absolutely. So Vidiot's opened in 1985. Our founders, um, Kathy Tauber and Patty Pollinger, are third generation Angelinos. Um, they were had both had established career paths. Um, they've known each other since they were three. But in the you know, in the early and mid 80s, they really decided they wanted to do something on their own. And um, they had tired of working for men in largely male dominated industries um, that they had a lot of talent in, but just were not feeling autonomous and were not feeling like they could, you know, really do what they wanted in the field. And so they knew they wanted to start a small business. They looked around. Um, they found an article about a New York City, an independent video store in New York City. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It wasn't Kim's. It was something else. But um, they read an article and they thought, hmm, maybe we need that. Um, they looked around Los Angeles and saw that all of the video stores cropping up here in the 80s were really very um, homogenous in what they were stocking. Um, and they thought, well, maybe we can do something a little different. They opened with 800 tapes. Um, they went largely for independent film, international cinema, experimental um, video. I mean, they were really thinking way outside of the definition of the movies. And um, they became wildly successful pretty much overnight and then expanded so that by the early 2000s, I mean, they were one of the most successful small businesses in Los Angeles. Of course, a technological shift came around. They started seeing the writing on the wall. They transitioned to a 501c3 nonprofit. And um, and that transition could be very hard. Um, and then, of course, um, things got only more difficult as streaming and DVR and all of those things came around. Um, the neighborhood we were in in Santa Monica was changing. Um, the rent was threatening to go up. And so by the time I got involved, Vidiots was very much sort of in a crisis moment. And um, in 2017, shortly after I got there, actually, we collectively decided to close, put everything in storage. And I was very determined to try to figure out how to get Vidiots back open to the public, um, which is a, a whole other podcast on how that <laughs> happened. But here we are. We opened June one in Eagle Rock with a 271 seat, beautiful cinema in a historic movie theater. Uh, the video store is of course open to the public. We have a 35 seat flexible micro cinema and a beer and wine bar. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, now I wanna go back because yeah, you mentioned it. And I think that's the the really fascinating thing because I've been going to Vidiots like since it reopened. <laughs> uh, I live nearby uh, and, and I love it. And I, I think the thing that you really hit on that really resonates with me too is yeah it, we kind of had this revolution with streaming and it's like streaming everything is available you can watch anything you want except one everything isn't available <laughs> and two there is something about well if there's just so many choices then it's just this sea of you know what do you watch you scroll endlessly versus as you talked about like this upbringing of a video store as a place where you can get a film education where people can kind of guide you or you can follow interests or, you know, just, I don't really specialize in things versus, you know, just 
I don't know, whatever's in theaters coming out and being available to watch. And right. I find that a very, very valuable resource. Yeah, I mean, the 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 tension between the technological shift in streaming and theatrical and video stores and physical media only exists when this one format eradicates all the others. Um, and one of the things we love about Pluto TV and some of the other streamers that have come in to support Vidiots um, as we were relaunching is that um, those companies, those organizations understand that the way to create a sustainable um, business, a sustainable art form is to have many, many points of access and especially points of access that create super fans out of new people. Yeah. And the whether or not, even if everything you could ever find under the sun could stream, which would be impossible, but even if it could happen, you have to know what you're looking for right. to some extent. Yeah. And you, when you think about points of access and you think about audience engagement and you think about um, creating new film lovers or new television lovers, you have to think about who those new people will be and how they will engage with whatever that point of access is. Little kids can't navigate streaming enough to figure out what they like. They have to be directed by an algorithm or a parent or a sibling. Um, the difference between physical browsing and being in a physical space with other people who you might have even just one tiny little thing in common, which could be an actor you like or a subject matter you're interested in or a movie you love, that point of connection cannot be replaced by anything. Right. And so when you have a space like Vidiots or a library, again, a comic book store, a, a, a record shop, when you have those physical spaces where people have some autonomy and they can pick something up and look at it and then talk to someone about it, whether it's a clerk or another customer, you instantly create not only a, a spark of connection between people who are different, which is very important to the Vidiot's mission, because this ultimately is all about community. But you also create a little bit more of a love for that art form, a little more deeper interest. And then, for instance, you 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 create that spark in that space. Then you have somebody who will go onto a streaming service to pursue something that they've already created this sort of interest in. And so we very much think about it certainly as the tides rise all boats, but also you can't create a new generation of fans without as many parts of this thing as possible. And historically, movie theaters, video stores have been a big part of that. Right. Yeah. And yeah, obviously streaming yeah, is a huge tool as well in terms of just the availability of, I mean, Vidiots has an amazing selection, but you can't 
have everything. <laughs> you know, there's still things Nobody that we can have everything. Right. Exactly. So Although yeah, we really are. We're, we're making our best effort. I mean, yeah. we really do. We pursue doggedly anything that we know is impossible to find, whether it's streaming or physical, we're, we're really committed to finding things that are um, difficult to find or at risk of being lost to audiences. Yeah, which I, I'll give an example of that too. That that I had personally, which is I had for years have wanted to watch uh, the Heartbreak Kid, the Elaine May version, and that's like one of those strange films that because of distribution, there was a DVD, and then that's it. It doesn't stream anywhere. They never released it after that, and even if if I wanted to go buy it to find like a DVD copy is ridiculous, you know, like what the they charge for them, like in the, the secondary market and videos had it. And so I was able to go in and watch it. Uh, there was actually a waiting list for it, which I thought was cool, but like it was like two or three people. And then, yeah, I, I got to watch this movie that has, like I said, I've been looking for everywhere. And, you know, just stuff like that is such a cool experience. Yeah, it's been really fun to to watch what people are sort of excited to see and what people are pursuing in the video store. Um, we had no idea how successful the video store would be. We the the entire model of the relaunch was to make the collection available to the public in the way that it always had been without putting any pressure on it to perform. So if two people a day were coming in to rent movies, that's okay. The theater, the beer and wine, the food, the tickets, the corporate sponsorship, the donations, the memberships, those were the things we knew would sustain our ability to keep the video store doors open. Um, I, I had a very strong suspicion that people would come back to the video store. I had no idea that they would be coming in the um, incredible numbers that they are. We're renting, I think, between 1,200 and 1,300 movies a week. Oh, wow. As you said, we've got wait lists for certain titles that are hard to find. Um, a lot of a lot of video stores don't necessarily talk about their television collections, but we have TV series that are impossible to find. Um, we've got, you know, areas of interest in the video store. Um, where entire sections are not streaming. Um, Patty and Kathy were really interested in music and had both been involved in the music industry before they got videos open. And so our music doc sections are just huge. And we're talking about like, you know, a PBS documentary from the 70s or 80s on, I don't know, a Zydeco band that that <laughs> you just there's no way you would be able to find that streaming, nor could you even discover it because you wouldn't even know what to look for. Right. Um, and so that's been really encouraging to watch people make those discoveries. Um, and then again, they're going out onto other platforms to further pursue that interest. Yeah. And that's what you want. That's that's the dream. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then, yeah, you get interested in the the music or the band and then you start seeking it out. But yeah, it is that I think you nailed it of like the you need that starting point. You need the the spark to. And there is something about it. it's like infinite choices, obviously great. But 
it's also can be overwhelming versus like you walk around and I don't know, something just catches your eye. The artwork catches your eye or something or, you know, uh, you know, and a lot of the grouping that you do to the sections. I like that you you the, the store group stuff by directors. You can like be like, oh, I'll watch this one. I want to see more like there's a very smart uh, just like the way it's arranged. And there's so many titles for how small that space like it's not that big of a video store, but it is packed. It's actually. Believe it or not, it's one of the bigger physically. I mean, the biggest, I think one of the biggest is Scarecrow up in Seattle. They're amazing too. Movie Madness in Portland is quite big. Um, we we have a new storage system for the discs, which makes it possible for us to put so many, but we have so much in storage too. We're slowly working it out of storage. Um, we had to start with an entirely new inventory system and a library system we're trying to um, build up the online searchable library sort of system, which we didn't have in Santa Monica. So there, we're almost 60,000 titles now. We have a huge rare VHS collection that um, the longer we're open and the better we're funded and the um, more grants we get, um, the more able we will be to digitize and preserve and license those titles because the preservation um, initiative is really, really important to Vidiots. It's something we started before we closed Santa Monica, but it requires a lot of funding and a lot of support. And so that's something, you know, we are very keen to pursue, especially through grants and corporate sponsorship. Um, but the thing with the library is that it has to grow. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're always adding titles and figuring out uh where we're going to put things but um but I think the the movie theater next to the video store is also part of why I mean I absolutely know for a fact it's driving so much interest in the video store because for a lot of people um they had forgotten about video stores maybe they we, we don't encounter that many people who don't have a way to play a DVD or Blu-ray. That, I think, is a myth. I think only people who really don't have a lot of interest in film and TV are getting rid of their um, players. Um, and some are, are buying them now, again, in the same way that people bought record players in droves within the last 10 years. But I do think that um, one of the things we're seeing is... Um, a interest in coming to the movie theater, seeing something that you loved. Like during our, our free Pluto TV weekend, we were showing some movies that we were trying to make new fans out of people, other movies that um, already have this like, you know, built in fan base. And you then watch those people go from the movie over to the video store and suddenly there's this like, oh, you know, I, I had never seen um, Attack the Block before and now I'm going to get into all of the movies that inspired that movie or I'm going to get into um, an actor that I didn't know about. Um, it's been really beautiful to watch that connective thread and the more you can offer to people 
to turn them on to stuff, the better. Yeah. Well, and there's a, a brilliant thing that you all do, which is when you walk into the movie theater, there's in the lobby immediately there are dvds that you can look at and you can rent which is uh like i yeah my wife and i've been like gotten into that uh, many times where it's like we're waiting for a movie to start and you're just kind of looking and it's like oh we're not gonna rent anything today we're gonna go see that and then it's like wait but they have this like i gotta go so and then you like and then it's it's almost like a breadcrumbs thing because then you can just walk down that hallway and Absolutely. rent it like while you're waiting uh so. i mean that was the the one of the things that's really beautiful about the video store and movie theaters as well is that you can have you know you're there's always a waiting period unless you're those naughty audience goers who show up five minutes late. but <laughs> for most people like there is a, a moment where you're kind of standing around waiting for something to happen or you're standing in line and one of the things that we really always knew we wanted to do was make sure that the video store was never something sort of separate or kitschy or um, kind of additive to the theater. If anything, the theater is additive to the video store. And so we wanted to see physical media all through the entire space. And we wanted as many, especially young people, to see what physical media is and to engage with it. So even if their parents were taking them to see um, Spirit, one of the movies we showed during the Pluto weekend, um, while they're waiting for their popcorn, those little kids are going over and seeing that thing. And some of them have like, don't even know what a DVD is. <laughs> and they're picking up the cases and they're looking at them. And that leads them, as you said, down the hallway following the breadcrumbs to the video swarm. And that's, that's why we designed the space the way that we did. I mean, it was very intentional, that physical space um, that involved a $1.6 million renovation in the depths of the pandemic with only a very small number of people driving the fundraising. And, um, you know, I think there's, there's, uh, there may be now, um, sort of a, a notion that Vidiots is extremely well funded, that we're, you know, done with all of our funding, that we had all of this huge corporate sponsorship and major famous and crazy rich donors. And the reality is, is that we have, um, you know, we've really been a grassroots effort. Um, our average donation is somewhere between $100 and $5,000. Yes, we do have those founding members who were coming in, a few who were coming in at much higher levels and, you know, incredible, very devoted donors like Karina Longworth and Ryan Johnson and um, some great corporate sponsors who came in during the pandemic to support us. But the reality is, is that we don't, we, we didn't really have a donation over a single donation over say $150,000. I mean, we, we put that that building together piece by piece, dollar by dollar, um, many, many different kinds of campaigns, um, including seat naming and naming sections of the video store, which you've probably seen in person. Um, and then again, working with donors and sponsors who just get us, they get our mission they get that investing in videos is investing in another generation of film lovers 
who will sign up for streaming services that are unique, who will uh, continue to buy tickets in movie theaters, um, who will buy physical media. And that that is how we were able to get where we are. Yeah, and I, I do want to talk because the the Pluto TV thing, I, I'm curious about it uh, from a number of perspectives. One, yeah, like how something like that comes together, like how did they reach out to you and all of that? And also just the thing that I found really fascinating about the theater as well, and I think you could see it in that weekend is it's a very eclectic selection of films where it is like spirit. Is, yeah. And it's like, I think it was like La Dolce Vita and then Rambo were like two yeah. in a row where it's like, it, there was pretty much in that weekend, whatever your interest in film, there was something for free that appeals to someone. Absolutely. I mean, the way that Pluto came together is the dream for an executive director of a nonprofit, which is that they reached out to us. <laughs> um, they 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 knew what we were. They'd heard of us. Um, and, you know, when someone comes in and says, hey, we want to support something, especially that really digs into our your mission around community, uh, you say yes immediately. Um, we program for the community. I mean, we are taking all of our cues from the people who are coming in and from what is selling tickets. Um, and some of it, yes, is altruistic. We want to make the people happy. But, you know, running a movie theater is a, a very expensive proposition. Um, we've been running into the burning building while everybody else has been running out. And what that means in terms of theater operations is you have to sell tickets or you have to sell concessions. You have to have people coming in and spending money. We've set our pricing to be the most affordable we can get it so that everybody in Los Angeles can come or outside of Los Angeles can come on movie theaters have gotten far too expensive. Taking a family of four to a movie can be in a commercial movie theater. Even the best commercial movie theaters can be upwards of $100, $150, because of course kids are going to ask for popcorn and candy. And so when you set your pricing really affordable um, and you know that you're going to hand half of your ticket sales back to distributors and rights holders, you have to find really creative ways to make things financially sustainable for us it's listen to what people want to see and then show it and we are very lucky to have such uh, an educated eclectically minded fan base where people do the same people want to see dolce vita and you know, first blood. I mean, yeah. they do because they, because those things are not separated. They're all under the umbrella of great movies that people want to see. Yeah. Um, we had so many people, you know, we're, we're not so much in the business of double bills because a lot of our demographic are people with kids and jobs and sometimes double bills are hard for people, but when we've had people stay for two movies in a row, it's been so much fun 
Um, and sometimes they're staying for movies where you're like, yeah, I can see that someone who's a fan of Point Break would also be a fan of The Thing. But, you know, certainly there are these wild differences <laughs> or so they, so they seem to be wild differences in the titles that we're programming. But ultimately what it comes down to is they're movies that people love. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, then, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to say like the, I think I've been to maybe about six different uh, films at this point there where I feel like there is something, I'm not just saying this just to tell you this, but like every week there's at least one thing that I would see and I like just Thank don't you. have the time. But uh but I think the only one they've all been full except uh, Double Indemnity, which is uh, one of my wife's favorite movies. It was like the only, which it was like an afternoon screening. But I think that was the yeah. only one that didn't have like you know there yeah. was, it was like a little bit light, and that did bum me out a little bit. But right, well, I mean, look, here's the thing with movies. Um, if you if you watch any movie with a movie scene in it, a movie theater scene in it, the movie theaters are half empty. I mean, yeah. that movie theaters have. That's why you have beer and wine and concessions. That's why you um that's why you program so that you know you're gonna have some sure shots. But the reality is that um you continue to program the things that you want people to see, whether or not they come in droves, you 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 do have a certain responsibility to programming those things. We we program the great John Sales movie, The Brother from Another Planet. Um, it was a lightly attended screening. The small number of people who were there walked out utterly changed. Um, that's why you show those movies. Yeah. And the hope is that in two years, people are uh, coming to anything you show or six months or a year, they're coming to anything you show because they trust your programming. And every time they come, whether or not it's a full house or not, they're having a good experience and they want to come back again to see what you can expose them to. Yeah, which, yeah, I, I definitely think uh, happens there. And yeah, it's a it's I, I think that's the thing that there's, you know, other theaters in L.A. that do uh, these kind of screenings. But it's like they all tend to kind of. It's like, you know, this theater has this, you know, and yes, it's absolutely. I, I could not define what a vidiot's screening is. No, know? and we we don't want you to. Yeah. Um, we don't want to get locked into a, a vibe or a brand or a parameter. We hit on an important topic that I do want to go back to, which is uh, the sure. snacks, uh, the, the, the which is the concessions. Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> because. uh I do think, I mean, you mentioned it, like, I know it's a, a balancing act of trying to find the right thing, but one, I think the the sizes are normal human sizes at Vidiots, which I like. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, and the sodas are really good. I don't know if there's a trick to the, yeah. Man, we just got lucky with a good Coke machine, I guess. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I am a Coke girl, so I'm, um, no, I think fountain soda just tastes really good when you're like gonna have good popcorn we do have really good popcorn um i'm i was very hopeful that we would have good popcorn and we do so um and we have a lot of candy <laughs> yeah is there a trick to the popcorn because it's it's like that modern like movie theater popcorn has i don't know that like the butter is different like it's not quite the same how do you source uh, 
I don't know. You know, I'm not really a longtime movie theater um, employee, so I don't really know. Um, I think it actually has a lot to do with the machine that you use. I think that that has a big piece to it is the machine. Um, I will eat pretty much any kind of pop. I'll eat like <laughs> sidewalk popcorn. So I'm not really the the right person to ask, but we've gotten very good feedback from some of our friends who are extremely discerning um, about our popcorn. And they've all said it's really good. Um, you know, I think concessions are interesting. You know, it's movie theaters initially didn't have concessions, which um, when they were first opening, um, ticket sales enough were were sustaining organizations or you know companies or buildings or whatever but um the reality is is once you know televisions hit the scene and movie theaters had competition that i think is really when concessions started to really kind of become more a regular piece of movie going and um I will say that um, for us, it was beer and wine. Um, it would be very hard to run videos without that. And unfortunately, it was a very, 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 very long, arduous, miserable, expensive <laughs> battle just to get a beer and wine permit in Los Angeles, which especially during the pandemic, when the city of L.A. was sort of saying, oh, no, we're going to help restaurants, we're going to help bars, we're going to help brick and mortar, and beer and wine is going to be so easy to get now. And unfortunately, the city of Los Angeles has an incredibly archaic system. And I, I just have to say, like, to anybody who's listening to this, appreciate your brick and mortar spaces in LA, especially. Appreciate your restaurants, your bars, your movie theaters. These are terrible times to try to run businesses pre-pandemic post-pandemic it doesn't matter it's all been hard and um you know I, I think to some extent people are leaning back into the idea of shop local spend local but there are so many challenges to running a brick and mortar business and keeping it sustainable and um, the only way we can do it is if people keep coming and um, buying those popcorns and buying beer and wine. And we have good we have good NA options as well. But um, it it should be a lot easier. Um, funding for the arts should be a lot easier in the United States. Um, running nonprofit cinemas and and collective art spaces and community driven brick and mortar should be a lot easier in the city of Los Angeles. Um, and I, I hope that it gets easier for other people who come after us because we're still, we're still in it. <laughs> well, and that's uh there was an article that came out recently. You probably saw it as well. That like mentioned videos in it, but it was, uh, I think it was an LA times article that was talking about movie theaters in Los Angeles, but it was mostly talking about the Cinerama dome and how that's still closed. Oh, that was the New York times. It was the New York times. Yeah. But that blows my mind, too, that it's like you you would think that like a theater like that, it, which breaks my heart because I love that theater and like the fact that it's been shuttered for this long. I mean, it's a travesty. It's it's so I've lived in L.A. for, oh, I don't know, 23 or 24 years now and 24, I think. And 
just how much the city has changed in terms of these physical spaces that were literally created for the public yeah and how many of them are now either inaccessible to the public or they're they're invite only they've become you know we have landmarks that were built to draw you know um tourists to los angeles yeah you know i truly hope that when the Egyptian reopens. It remains a place for the people of Los Angeles. I have some serious doubts about that. Yeah, I, which, I, I don't know. Yeah, which you would think too. I mean, if for people that don't live in LA, like it is a strange thing where you would think like, well, this city, you know, is going to preserve movie theaters. Like this city will make sure. And it, yeah, no, it's we're, surprising. We're the capital of of Los Angeles, and we lost one of our greatest film festivals. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I used to work there, so RIP LA Film Festival. But yeah. we're we are not. I think the Vidiot's relaunch is actually a real beacon of hope. Um, I think the fact that other organizations, um, that are doing really well right now, um, American Cinema Tech, I you know, Nubev is privately owned, but I think that these theaters and these spaces that are doing really well and audiences have come back to them. And um, there, there's this like diversity of programming. I think that um, new spaces like Whammy Analog Media and um, Be Kind is a new video store in Burbank, uh, Secret Movie Club. I think that some of our siblings in cinema across the city have proven that it is possible um, at what cost to some of our sanity and our <laughs> humanity, I don't know. Um, some organizations are much better funded than others. Um, some of us have really just, it's been a miracle that we could pull it off. But the fact that we've done it and under such extremely challenging circumstances that no one could have predicted and that people are coming and watching movies and renting movies and and buying the popcorn i mean that that is the sign that it is wanted and needed and necessary the myth that people don't want to go to the movies anymore is bullshit no excuse me for saying it's no no, no totally yeah no i i think you're right and it i think especially uh after you know everything shut down for covid i think people are even more than ever craving communal experiences yeah. like that like that we want to go out and people want to because there's nothing like you know seeing movies in a movie theater with a crowd and it's like that with all brick and mortar there's nothing like like browsing a, a video store or going to amoeba and flipping through and talking to other human beings. I mean, especially for the health and well-being of the next generation. I, yeah. I wish that I wish that um self-described cinephiles and some of the sort of people leading conversations right now about the future of film would think and talk more about younger people and less about themselves. Yeah. Um, I I 
we will always find ways to access movies. We will always find the movie theaters. We will always stay invested in it because we know how to do it. But I think it's really tragic that um, kids far less privileged than my own have been so incredibly shut out of this because it's gotten too expensive. It's gotten um, too hard to get to. It's gotten too hard to find. And the movies legitimately save people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Movies, comic books, literature. The arts save human beings. They make intolerable situations livable. And we're living in kind of intolerable times. Yes. And um, what we don't have right now that we've, I think, we've had through modern history is that we don't have these um, these oases of communal gathering and we don't have these ports in the storm to go to. And if idiots can be that, for even one person, then it was, it was worth it. (laughs) Well, no, I think that's perfectly said. And, and yeah, I, I know for me, it's been such a huge addition. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious. I mean, because we talked so much about getting to this point. So you, you know, the, the Santa Monica location shut down and it was like opening up, you've opened up, it's here. Is there a new goal or like a new Thing that you're working towards or, or what happens now? I mean, I, I think that the mistake that a lot of nonprofit organizations make is that um, they, they hit a marker and then they set a new one. And for me, as the, you know, whatever, the captain of the ship, <laughs> um, I want to do what we do really well. I want to make sure that our team is compensated. I want to make sure that our community continues to grow. Um, I'm not interested in franchising idiots. <laughs> um, I'm not interested in um, suddenly becoming some other kind of organization with a different mission. Um, I think ultimately our long-term goal is to get videos sustainable enough and well-funded enough that we can start to branch out um, in a sort of impact project to help other organizations like ours around the country um, by, say, you know, coming in with some seed money to start a new video store in a, in a community that doesn't have any access to the arts or maybe there's a struggling video store that's trying to figure out how to pivot their revenue streams um or how how to come up with a new way of doing things so that they can maintain access to their library or um maybe there's a group of concerned citizens who would say there's no access to film in our town or our city and we want to do something um, to engage audiences and to bring people together in a, in a brick and mortar, in a real human way. 
Um, that would be our learn long-term goal would be to help other people do that, not to necessarily keep doing it ourselves. Um, I think what, what worked for vidiots is vidiots. Yeah. Um, I would love to take credit for being so <laughs> amazing that I could do this, but, um, but really I couldn't raise close to $3 million starting from scratch with no, you know, with no real resources. And we don't have a single major funder. We don't have um, studio backing. We don't have any of those things, which by the way, other nonprofits in Los Angeles do have. Yeah. We don't have that. We never had that. But what we did have was 30 plus years of loyalty and um, deep, deep affection for vidiots as um both a physical space and as um a, a space that people remembered for being inspiring and safe and welcoming and um almost no one that i encounter says oh yeah vidiots yeah i went there once or twice it's like gushing it's i went there and it was my film education I grew up there. Um, I I had no friends. I mean, I had this incredible story from someone who is deeply successful, who told me that she was like borderline unhoused as a teenager and just would go hang out at Vidiots because that's where she could go. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, we've had so many people famous, not famous, successful, totally average talk about what videos did for them, not just from like a, oh, I found a movie I liked there, but from a deeply personal place. And that's why it worked. And I think in order for things like this to, to be as kind of Phoenix rising miraculous as videos has been in LA, they have to have a deep rooting in a community. And it doesn't necessarily work for vidiots to, you know, march into Cleveland and say, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to fix your problem with access to film because nobody in Cleveland would know what that means. Right. But I'm sure in Cleveland or in somewhere in Alabama, there's some space that was beloved and needed by the community. Um, and there is someone in every city, state, and town that cares about this art form and wants to share it with another generation. And if we can help those people in those spaces, that is the long-term goal for Vidiots. That's great. Yeah, no, I love that. Going to take a lot more money and a lot more <laughs> funding, but we'll get there. Uh, is there anything else I did not ask you about that you want to mention or... Just maybe where people can find us, which is vidiotsfoundation.org. And we are still absolutely welcoming founding members, um, which are the really the bedrock of our um, relaunch and sustainability. And um, annual membership is great. Um, great perks. Um, and uh, and everything, anytime you come to Vidiots and you buy a ticket or you buy a popcorn, that goes directly to making video sustainable for the future. Yeah, no, and it, it, it's a great place. If I haven't made that clear, I love it. It's uh, I'm so happy that you all exist. 
Uh, but yeah, thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Joel. That yeah. was so fun. There you have it. My chat with Maggie McKay. I loved it. I really enjoyed talking to Maggie. She's such a fascinating person to speak to. And I really love the way that she thinks about film and talks about film. And I also just really appreciate how much time she gave me to chat with her. We actually went over our allotted time and she was willing to hop back on with me to finish chatting. And that was really cool to me. I love vidiots. Please support them. Go check them out. If you're in LA, go to a screening or consider donating or do whatever you can. I do think it's a really important space and I love it. And also support Pluto TV. If you're not in LA, check them out as well. Like I said, appreciate their help in setting all this up. And hey, if you're feeling generous, if you're supporting sites and places, Go to hobotrashcan.com. If you liked this interview, check out the archives, see what's there. Uh, you can also subscribe just to, if you like this interview, there's a whole feed. If you search Hobo Radio Interviews, or if you look in the show notes here, you can subscribe to just the interviews that I've done over the years. There's a lot of them, and I think you'll really enjoy them, so check that out. And that's going to do it for us this week. So remember, question everything. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. Sometimes, they look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.